Hello, friends. Welcome back to episode number 41 of Crimes, Curiosities, and Cocktails on this lovely Friday right now. Almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas. Mm. I am freaked out (laughs) it's almost christmas this year has been like the slowest year while simultaneously being the fastest year ever no it's it's been a rough year also where we're at there's always snow there's no snow i hate it i'm mad like okay my entire life like we live in the midwest we get a lot of snow and it's cold and like you have a white christmas if i don't have snow on christmas i'm gonna riot i was talking to my sister i'm like i'm gonna go fucking drive to find it until I find snow, I'm going north I'm until I find it. snow. Truly. Because I yeah. cannot do a not white Christmas. I've never, never since well, I was 10 years old, 8 years yeah. old. Mine's been never, ever, 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 ever. Yeah. I've lived here my whole life. And last year, I distinctly remember going to visit my mom on Christmas and I drove into the snow. Like where we live now is pretty close together. It was not a white Christmas, and I went to visit my parents over Christmas or my mom, and then there was snow, and I was like, or it we was like snow. the teeny tiniest bit of snow, and then I went up there, and it was like four feet of snow, and I was like, this is oh, what I'm used to. Right. I'm used to four or five, lots of piles and piles of snow and snowbanks and tons of snow, and then I come home, and there's like an inch of snow on my lawn. No, no. I no, want I'm there totally to be drive it back if I want it to be a blizzard on Christmas. Right. No, I'm going I'm gonna go find snow for Christmas one way or another. Yeah. Tina's like you end up in the mountains of Colorado. Ah, yes. Snow. <laughs> it's like Canada, Colorado, Montana probably. Any place that has a mountain. You'll find yeah, mountains. It. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I, but- I keep going to my Alexa and I'm like, Alexa, what is it gonna snow? And she's like <laughs> Never. He's like, there's a 42% chance on this day. I can only go out 10 days. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no. Yeah. I don't know how that topic just happened, but it did. Because it's it's almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas. I was going to make mulled wine tonight, and it did not happen. (gasps) You were going to make mulled wine? Yeah, I have all the spices downstairs and stuff. I just didn't get to it. So I think that's going to be a tomorrow project. What is that? What is it? Tell Mold me, wine? what is mold? Yeah, how do you make it? Oh, it's just a whole bunch of spices and stuff. Like, there's orange in it and cinnamon and uh, a few other things that are herbs I don't ever use unless I'm making mulled wine. <laughs> yeah. And then you... And is it just red wine? Yeah. And then you mm-hmm. heat it up and you, like, spoil the seasoning and then you bring it to a simmer and then you put it in warm wine and it's, like, delicious. Mmm, that sounds good. It's like a like an apple cidery yeah. wine. Wine. Like sounds favorite. yum. So I was going to make that, but I, I ran out of time tonight. Oh, man. Mostly because I took a nap before this. So it, there's been some a breakthrough in the true crime community. Has there? The Zodiac Killer. We've we've not covered him, Mm-mm. but you know the Zodiac Killer, the infamous killer who yes. um, killed people, and he left a whole bunch of like messages that nobody could. Yeah. They decoded one. Really? Yeah. A group of, okay, so this is an article from CNN, and it's called, After 51 Years, the Zodiac Killer Cipher Has Been Solved by Amateur Codebreaker. I was going to say it was a freaking coder, because it's always coders. So it says, okay, so I'm going to, so it was, um, David Orenchok, a software developer in Virginia, Jarl van Eyck, a Belgian computer programmer, and Sam Blake, an Australian mathematician. So I'm going to read you what 
the message says. So it says, it's kind of long, but it says, I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. And so that message was referring to apparently the Jim Dunbar show, which was a Bay Area TV show. And a message was sent two weeks after because a person had called into the show claiming to be the Zodiac Killer. And then they sent this message and nobody was able to decode it. But they broke that. And one of the guys has been trying to solve the messages since 2006. That's awesome. I know that they also... um. It's always That's coders, though, because I know they're trying to solve, like, the Von, uh, Vonic manuscripts, too. Yes. And they said they did. It's, like, disputed if they actually did or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to read more into it, so I don't know if they, whether or not I, I think they did. But yeah. It's kind of interesting, like, how, because you can go through so many different, like, permutations so quickly. Yes. If you right. write a code. So it's, like. Kind of want to try it. Probably wouldn't get anywhere because I'm not, you know, a genius, but right. <laughs> hey, fun side project. Right. Well, here's right. my problem. Me, computer science genius, is like brute force, best force. <laughs> no, Trish is like bubble sort every day. If you don't know computer science, that doesn't make any sense to you. But I'm just like brute force. Try every permutation. Eventually it'll work. We'll just let this run for a good 20 years. Good for the rest of the rest of my life. And then I'd look at the like output every day and be like, well, that one doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh gosh. But that article was literally written today. So Oh, that's awesome. Well Lane sent that to me actually like just as soon as we started recording, so I had to share that. Oh. We need to cover him. He is I know I haven't covered him yet because there is so so much. There's a lot. It's like one of those things that I need to start a month before and do some other things yeah. at the same time. While right. I, like look into a pile. Because people note. have like, it's another one like the Black Dahlia where you, mm-hmm. people spend their lives looking at it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, if you're going to cover it, you kind of got to know your shit. Right. I think it's also one of those topics though that like people just need to know that there's so much and there's so many resources that like. You can, we can only cover so much in a podcast episode, <laughs> right? Like, there's documentaries and movies and books and articles and do you think that fresh my... take, you gotta, you gotta really dive in, I think. I'm coming in at it at a different angle and I'm probably gonna solve it by Same. myself. Yeah, my just, just saying. Hire me, you know, yeah. FBI. Yeah, same. <laughs> are you listening? <laughs> uh, I made a beverage today. Do you have, what are you drinking? I was drinking a whiskey diet. Now I'm drinking a monster because, man, my sleep schedule... It's like an adulty one where I go to bed it's early normal. and rise early. And yeah. Why normal. don't you just like keep it and do normal people's sleep schedule? Because like I have no reason to be up at 6 a.m. Because here's the thing. Like I said. Yeah, but like there's nothing wrong with it. You can just shift everything else you do to. It's like the same amount of time to do things. It's just at a daylight time. You can still do everything else you do, just daylight time. And then it's just like I have a few free hours before work, and that's just weird to me. Like, what am I supposed to do while I'm half groggy? Like, Anything you want. You can make breakfast. You I have haven't a- making breakfast. That's what I'm saying. You can make yourself like a whole meal, whole four-course meal. You can read a book. You can play video games. 
you could so take up your hobby. Be like up at 6 a.m. and just like doing stuff. Like I've been reading and making breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what people do when they wake up. Don't the people like get up at like an hour before, just get ready and go to work. I thought that's what people do. No, plot twist, I get up 30 minutes before and I go to work. Exactly, okay. that's what I thought people do. But you also <laughs> well, and have, I like, still get up at like 6 or 6.30. So. Yeah, because you have to be in very early. See, I don't have to be yeah. in very early, so it's like, I have two, three hours to do whatever. Whatever, which is like, you just get your whole life together. But been reading a lot of I... Harry Potter, been making a lot of bagel oh, eggs. Mm. Bagels with I eggs on a sandwich. Okay, I'm going to show you my beverage, and you have to okay. guess what it is, just based off what it looks like. It looks like a Long Island. That's what it is! Oh, I feel like I drink too much. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I've never made a Long Island at home before. Neither have I. How is it? It's pretty good, I but... I haven't had a Long Island since we could go to bars. Dude, same. I've not had a Long Island for so long. I mean, but Josh I made playing... caramel apple ones, but those are not the same. It's not the same. I, was but, playing... I mean, they're good. They're just not the same. I was playing Fall Guys before we started recording while I was waiting, and one of our good friends, who was a bartender for several years throughout college at, like, one of our favorite college bars was on, and I was going through all of the liquors I have, he was like, you can make a Long Island, and I was like, tell me more, Aww. and so I did. Long Islands were, like, my go-to in college. Me too. Me too. Uh, whiskey diets, too. Always whiskey diets. Yeah. But, like, Long Islands just got too sweet after well that not really it depends on who makes them yeah. some people can make them very tart or very sweet but if someone's making like a good long island it's just like very balanced like i mean there's brisk. a crap brisk. ton of booze in it so you need to be very careful <laughs> you know what's too sweet i was gonna say no what? one's gonna this is gonna why what what's too sweet you know oh our local well not local our college bar had a signature beverage that they made and they would make you an entire pitcher of it and they would put like 50 straws in it and it was basically syrup but they had four colors there was blue green red and purple so you would just go to the bar and you'd say i want the purple and then the name of the drink and you could have a whole pitcher and some people that's what they drank all night but they were very sweet and you got gut rot there was yeah there's like a ton of alcohol in them and there's so much booze and then more like syrup and then they just filled it up yeah. with beer yeah <laughs> it was yeah, beer. i mean it, it wasn't fire. a good drink but it was memorable well some of the flavors were better than the others but not something you'd want to keep like it's like it's like something you share with friends yeah like oh like, we're having this but like you don't want to like just like just for the experience yeah you wouldn't say oh yeah we're all drinking this i mean i loved I, them because yeah same i used to it get was my college town and yeah you had to you just had to do it you had yeah to. i remember you dancing around with your pitcher oh yeah a whole <laughs> pitcher with like 30 straws in there and i was on the dance floor with my <laughs> and then i also distinctly remember being out for a friend's birthday once and like we got a picture and like they were trying to leave before it was done and i just put like all 30 straws and it's like, like, no, 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 like no you don't waste this okay it's golden this is, juice well also prime. what was it like was it ten dollars a picture that's yeah. an expensive beverage it you is. don't so waste like ten dollars like no no you drink all of this okay listen listen that's what i, I was like listen so this is expensive but really like depending on who you are like all you needed was one picture and you can have a good night anyway so my sources were wikipedia abc news cbc news wow cbc no cbs news and the lineup all right Rewind. A couple years ago. It's oh. December 10th, 2003. 
in Sugarland, Texas, and it's a fun, exciting night for the Whitaker family. Oh, <gasps> we're doing the Whitakers. Yeah. Okay. I think it's. Do you know this story? I remember the name, the Whitakers. Okay. But I don't remember what where we're going. So the family consists of Trisha and Kent Whitaker and their sons Kevin and Bart. Trisha was a school teacher and Kent was an accountant. Kevin was 19 and just started college. And that day in December, Bart had just called his family and told them that he finished his last final and was going to graduate from San Houston State University. His parents were, yeah, his parents were super duper excited. So they wanted to like go to a nice dinner to celebrate, which is pretty common, right? Pre-2020. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they <laughs> went out to dinner. So they went out to dinner. They're all having a good time. They actually gave Bart, uh, like, congratulations for graduating college present. They bought him a really nice Rolex watch. They took family pictures, and they were just having a really good time and enjoying the night together. So after dinner, they drive home, and they're getting out of their car, and they're going inside. Inside, Bart forgets his phone in his car, so he turns around and goes back for it. Then things happened (laughs) so kevin yeah so this is a wild one so kevin walks up to the house and opens the front door and is shot in the chest then trisha who was like right behind kevin also gets shot kent the father hears the shots runs in behind them and he's also shot and his humerus gets shattered bart who had been back at the car getting his phone runs inside gets into an altercation with the shooter gets shot in the arm and the shooter actually runs off at this point. A nearby neighbor hears the commotion, looks outside, sees what's going on. And in a, an article I read, he actually like talked to Kent and was like asking him what happened. He went up to Trisha and said, what's going on? And then went and called 911. The family is transported to the hospital. Unfortunately, Kevin died almost immediately. And Trisha, the mother, died as well. Thankfully, though, Kent and Bart both survive. And both are immediately pretty upset and angry, and they're calling for the authorities to figure out what happened, and they're mad, and they want whoever did this to be found. And Bart is the father? Bart is the other son. Kent is the father. Kent is the father, okay. Yep. So, the police investigate, and they said, like, initially, it looks like a burglary gone wrong. Uh, There wasn't a lot of violence in the area, but it was a pretty wealthy neighborhood, so they said it was possible that someone had broken in to try and steal some stuff. However, very quickly after, things start to not make sense. So, none of the valuables from the house have been taken or hardly even moved. Um, The police looked around the house, and they found, like, dresser drawers had been pulled open, Um, But they were all open, like, the exact same amount, and they weren't ever, like, rifled through. So it just looked like someone opened them and then left them to make it look like they'd been rummaged through. Um, The family's gun safe, which was kind of, like, in an inconspicuous location, had been pried open. They found bullet casings and a 9mm handgun with four bullets missing from it. And it seemed like the burglar quote-unquote burglar knew exactly where the gun was to take it because the family was shot with the their own gun um and the only thing that was missing from the scene there was no electronics missing missing the weapon was still at the scene the jewelry was still there the only thing that was missing was bart's cell phone they could never find it so they're like "Hmm, seems suspicious 
And then pretty soon they discover that Bart Whitaker actually did not graduate from San Houston State University. In fact, he was only registered as a freshman who was on academic probation, meaning he had stopped going years ago. They also discovered that Bart had been diagnosed with a delusional paranoid disorder and had gotten kicked out of high school while he was in high school. So when they asked, he said that the stress of college was too much, he couldn't handle it, and he quit, and he took a break, and he didn't want to tell his parents, which, okay, fine. I mean, that's reasonable, but why the story? (laughs) Right, that is reasonable. And he was like, I was too scared to tell them that I had quit, and I just kind of kept up appearances, and they didn't have anything else at this point, but they were like, seems weird, why would you lie about that, and we're watching you, pretty much. So at this point, Martin's father were the only ones who survived, and they actually started growing really, really close in their relationship. They really started bonding. They started studying the Bible together. They were spending a lot of time together trying to heal and, like, find forgiveness for everything that had happened. And it was pretty uneventful for a while, and the cops didn't really find anything else other than they knew the scene looked weird and that Bart had these couple of lies that he had told. Well, if you're, a, I mean, if you're a paranoid person, maybe, I don't know, you thought yeah. it was different than it was. Right. So, a man named Adam Hip went to the Sugarland police and said that he was a friend of Bart's a few years before. And Adam Hip told them that Bart had once come up with a plan to kill his entire family and Bart wanted him to be the shooter. And he basically outlined the entire plan that Bart came up with, and it basically was a mirror image for what actually happened to the family. However, they had been drinking that night, and he never really brought it up again, and nothing came from it. So he didn't really think about it after that until this event happened. Then he was like, holy crap, I think I need to say something. Did Question, did there, was there like problems in the family before this? Is there a reason mm-hmm. that he was plotting this at all well there is later and we'll get into that a little bit um so at this point police become super suspicious of bart they didn't have any hard evidence but they told kent and they said we don't think you should be living with him right now we think he tried to get you killed and he got the rest of your family family killed and Basically, you should move out, but he wouldn't. He was Kent like, said, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, Kent was like, we've been studying the Bible, and we're moving towards forgiveness, and I think he just couldn't imagine that that would happen. So this whole time, the police are looking for more evidence, and they decide to follow up with more of Bart's friends, specifically Chris Brashear and Steve Champagne. So... They worked, those two worked with Bart at a country club prior to the crime happening. And Chris Brashear and Steve basically denied any involvement initially. And once Bart found out that they'd been questioned, he actually fled to Mexico. That's a he little pulled, suspicious. <laughs> he, they, the police didn't know that he fled, though, at the point, at the time. So basically, he took money from his dad used the name of Rudy Rios, went to Mexico, got a girlfriend. His family actually, or her family actually really liked him, said he was super interesting, super charming, really friendly. He said he'd gotten his bullet wound from the Afghanistan war. And his family basically, or um, his girlfriend's family basically took him in as his own and was like, yeah, he was a super great guy. Um, so 
one source that I read said that some bloodhounds were actually able to match scents to evidence on the scene to Steve Champagne and Chris, what was that his name? Chris Brashear. And Steve actually wound up cracking eventually under all the pressure and basically confessed everything. So he said, Bart had come up with this entire elaborate plan. And he said that he would announce to his family that he had graduated college. They would go out to dinner. All the while, Chris would be hiding in Bart's SUV outside the Whitaker home. While the family was at dinner, he would go inside the house with the key Bart gave him, would go to the gun safe, get the gun out, and would wait for them to get home. Steve Champagne was to be the drive-away getter. The drive-away getter? What the heck? The getaway driver. <laughs> oh, my God. Drive-away getter. Those drive-away drive-away getters, man. Getter. They'll get you every time. Yeah. Um, so Steve was the getaway driver, and he sat in the parking lot of the restaurant watching while the family ate and followed them home. So then he told the police where they could find a bag of evidence. He said there was a bridge over Lake Conroe where him and Chris threw a bag of stuff into the lake. And they went and they looked. They found a chisel, which was used to open the gun safe. They found bullets, which matched the gun. They found two cell phones, one of which was later identified as Bart's that had been missing from the scene. And they were also actually able to get DNA from Chris Brashear on the mouth of a water bottle, even though it was at the bottom of a lake for two years, which kind of blows my mind. It does. But it so, must have had a hell of a good seal. Yeah, for real. I'm like, how does that even happen? <laughs> so at this point, the two men were arrested and they basically said... Bart promised them a crap ton of money if they followed through with this because Bart's family had like a million dollar plus insurance policy. And he said, if you do this with me, I will give you a cut of the insurance money. So they decided that they would do it. Okay. Um, how did he know these guys again? Um, sources said that they were co-workers and friends. I think one source said they might have been roommates at one point. I'm trying to like... I'm just saying, if you asked me to kill your family, I would punch you in the throat. Exactly. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, how do you find co-workers? Like, how many times do you have to throw this out before it sticks with random ass yeah. people? Like, do yeah. you want to kill my family for me? I'd be like... And they're like, mm, okay, no. Like, right. No, right. I'm not going to do that. What is wrong with you? Like, my best friend in the whole world, I'd be like, girl, are you serious right now? And if she was serious, I'd be like, yes, hello, police. My friend's trying to kill her family. <laughs> she um, needs, like, we have a problem. An intervention or something. I don't know what she needs. But also, this is... then I'd be like, hello, friends, parents. I just want you to know she asked me to murk you guys. Like, <laughs> serious. Out. She had a whole diagram. I, we drew pictures. This is for real. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like She busted out the dry time. erase board, was putting little X's and O's moving. <laughs> like, it reminded me of basketball practice. Yeah. <laughs> this is where the offense happens yeah for real like i can't Ooh, admit, how do like, you find people who are like yeah i'm down okay. is it like i don't yeah. think there's that many shitty people who would be like i could take an innocent life for a half mil i mean i like to believe there's not that many but um, maybe there is i can't imagine that but like what do we talk about every week <laughs> that's true <laughs> but i would like to hope these are outliers and like the most amount of people would be like nah man right i mean overwhelming majority i hope that's the case but there are people out there 
obviously who would do it. So, this whole time, Bart's chilling in Mexico. Nobody can find him until the real Rudy Rios comes to the scene. Um, so Rudy Rios, the actual Rudy Rios and Bart had been co-workers and Rudy had family in Mexico and said he would help get Bart out of the country. So Bart paid him $3,000 to get him to Mexico. So basically he's like posing as Rudy Rios, who's a real person. And he's like, yeah, I'll get you. I have family in Mexico, whatever. I'll help you if you give me enough money. But then... Once all of this happens and there's a reward out for Bart, Rudy's like, heck, not nah, I'll turn him in. I don't care. Like, I'll get him to come across the border again. Sure. Yeah, like, I know where he is. I know how he got there. I know when he left. Like, I, whatever, I have the details. There's a reward for him. Yeah, I'm going to call it in. So that's what he did. So after this, they basically tracked Bart down, found him, and brought him back. Wait, what, what is Ken doing this whole time? The dad? Yeah. Well, I think at this point he's pretty distraught because his son runs off. The rest I see of they're reading Bibles, and all of a sudden he just yeah, yeah, he's pretty on him. Yeah, I think this was one of the. I mean, obviously losing your wife and one son is super traumatic, and then there's this whole like, we think your son did it, and he's like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I can like comprehend that, and then your son. Well, just okay, here's the thing: that's your last like surviving family member. How can you say? they were the ones who did like that's your like lifeline at that point exactly like you don't want to believe that that's possible but then he disappears and he's like oh crap and then this evidence comes up and he's like oh quadruple crap like this is not good i was i was i had one family member left that i was lucky to have and right like we thought we were like i thought he was lucky to make it out alive with me but turns out this was the one She's who the put one us who here. Orchestrated the entire thing. Like I cannot comprehend that in my brain. So a family member. Oh gosh, yeah. your kid. A, a child. A child. Yeah. Your kid kills the rest of your kids and your wife, and tries to kill you. Nope, don't like and that. And then plays you for however long. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, maybe he had a change of heart, which we hope for, but like right. Sure seems like he was just playing it out from yeah. a surface level. So, at this point, there's pretty much no way Bart's getting out of it. And since this is in Texas, he's immediately looking at the death penalty. Ooh, so, yep. the prosecutors are basically like, you went out to dinner. You had their entire death meditated. planned. Definitely. You knew while you were at dinner with them, taking photos, getting gifts for graduation. Getting your Rolex. Getting your Rolex that as soon as they got home and opened that door that they were going to be killed. He's like, you plotted to have them killed more than once. You went to this other friend and tried to have them kill him. And there was no signs of like physical or mental abuse. Was he mentally well though? Because I can't imagine unless he was in a bad environment. Right. Well, when he was in high school, they said that he had that paranoid disorder. Um, Okay. Well, I read an interview and they were like, how did you feel that night? He was like, honestly, like I didn't. He's like, I was on autopilot. It's I was it's like I wasn't really there. Like I wasn't present. He's like, I knew it was going to happen. I was like detached. And he said, um, yeah, he said like the, the prosecutor was like, you weren't like physically or mentally abused that we know of. Like it wasn't a defense thing. Like they weren't harming you. 
It was on purpose because you wanted them to die. And not only did he go to that Adam earlier, but once in the past, he also had tried to plot their death. And one of his female friends found out about it, called the police. The police went to the parents to tell them. And they were like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, why would he do that? And then Bart was like, no, it's a misunderstanding. Like, that never happened. No. And they basically blew it off. So that was at least two documented times where he had tried to plot their murder. Oh, gosh. Now I feel extra bad for Ken. Yeah. Yeah. He just, like, so has so much faith in his son that he knew before this came up. And he was like, no. It's nothing. Right. Well, and there was, like, interviews and they asked and they're like, did you know? And he's like, no. Like, I just, it didn't seem fathomable he's like maybe i should like to an outside person you're like well yeah he got like the news before that this happened so why would he not think yeah exactly like as a father or as a mother you're gonna be like no no it wouldn't right right so at this point his defense attorney is basically he knows he's guilty so all he's trying to do is save his life like he just is trying to argue against the death penalty and I can't unless unless he had a very good reason to hate his family. I don't think he's mentally sound. There's no way. Right. And the thing is, his dad, Kent, is also fighting against the death penalty. That's he's what like, I remember from the story. He's like, I don't want my son to be put to death. He's it's like my last family member. Like, why should exactly. I get punished again? He's like, he's obviously very religious and he's close to God and he's like, we forgive people. We can have people can have change of heart. He's like, he doesn't deserve to be killed, and I'm working on forgiveness. And basically, he's like, um, I have a quote in here later that I'll read, but basically, he's like, he deserves to live and try and do good with what life he has left. I mean, um, I guess, going back to what I said, I mean, I say he's not mentally well, but I mean, maybe he is just not a good person. Like, if he can rationalize right. all this in his brain, right? then... right. And so Bart, I think it's like family member thing where the family wants the best for him is like messing with my head a little bit because I'm like I right. don't want to think this guy is just evil. Like he sounds right. like he's a super loving family, especially because his dad is like fighting for him at this point, right? Which is what I remember reading about this, and it's like at this point you don't want to take his last family member away, but you're right. also like this guy did bad. Like he was right. a bad it's, person. It's wild. So Bart, they asked him, and he said he said. He did feel terrible. He knew what he did was wrong, but basically, like, he couldn't or didn't stop it. He said he never felt good enough for them. He felt like he couldn't reach their standards. He couldn't live up to their expectations and that he felt unloved, and that was what drove him to do this. And, like, for Kent to hear that, he was just, like, he had, he, like, he must have, like, convinced himself that he was, like, the black sheep or that he wasn't good enough because... We loved our kids. Like, we were so excited. He graduated college, and we were planning to But maybe he didn't, you know? Right. Maybe that's right. Well, exactly. He didn't actually graduate college. Then he's like, I'm in this lie, and you think I did this great thing, but I didn't, so I can't live up to these expectations. And he planned to kill them. But, I mean, that's... It's a very strange dynamic. So... The shooter, Chris Brashear, was sentenced to life without parole, and the getaway driver, Steve Champagne, got 15 years. And you can read some of, like, the jur- like the back and forth of, like, the prosecutor talking to Bart, and it's really sad because he's like, when you ran into the house, did you hear your brother Kevin? Did you hear him gurgling on his own blood as he died? And Bart's like, yeah, I did. And he's like, and how did that make you feel? And Bart's, like, crying at this point, and he's like, it felt really bad. And he's like, 
and it's just like is wild like you can read through all the interviews with like bart and kent and it's just but either way in march 2007 the jury found him i mean obviously he was guilty but they did they sentenced him to the death penalty um however his dad never left his side the entire time and he said as long as bart's alive i'm gonna fight against the death penalty and try and have it removed and some people assessed bart and they basically said he's a sociopath and bart was like well then i am what i am and if i'm a sociopath it is what it is and when they asked him about his father he said and this is a quote he said he's an amazing man and whether or not i'm a person incapable of love i am a person capable of feeling a very deep respect for that man because he just he fought for him the entire time and this whole time kent sent letters to Bart, he visited Bart, he wanted to stay by his side and continue to work with him. Eventually, Kent got remarried and spent basically like his life's work at this point was spreading messages of like forgiveness to aid and healing. And he said if he never forgave Bart for what he did, he'd never be able to heal from it. And a quote that he said was, I think justice would be the opportunity to spend his life helping others and allowing me the opportunity to walk that road with him about Bart which is just like I'm like that is I want to cry like, like, that is, like I just feel like it is not a common occurrence for someone to take that stance like how like he's a, such a strong person because holy moly yeah um, and I mean I think it's very you know if he is a sociopath he understands his dad is an amazing person and so Ken spent over a decade lobbying for Bart's sentence to be changed to life in prison, but either way, Bart's execution date got sent to February 22nd, 2018. And the week before, Kent said, we're not asking to forgive him or like, we're not asking you guys to forgive him or to just let him go. We just want you to let him live. He's like, Bart was my last surviving member of my natural family and no one in my family wants to see him executed. And he's like, this is my kid. This is my last family member. He's besides me. That's it. And I don't want to see him die. He's like, he might've killed the rest of my family, but I don't want to see him killed. And two days before Bart's execution date, the Texas board of pardons and paroles made a recommendation for clemency. And the dad at this point was like, he was super excited. He's like, this is Texas. Like this doesn't happen in Texas. No. However, Regardless of what the Board of Pardons and Parole said, the final decision has to come from the governor. So February 22nd, 2018 comes. It's Bart's execution day. His dad visits him one last time. They said their goodbyes. Bart had his last meal, and he's preparing to get strapped to the gurney for lethal injection. And with less than 40 minutes left until the time when he was supposed to be injected, the governor decides to spare his life. And Bart, he says, I'm thankful for the decision, not for me, but for my dad. I'm just like, this story is just so wild. It's so sad. Kent is just like the most wonderful human. He is. And like, I don't think anyone was thinking about Bart in this decision. They were like, this is we need a dad. Kent at all costs. Yeah, like Kent. <laughs> like, Oh my goodness. Like, like why would because him. at that point, I mean the victims of the crime are just gonna suffer more. I guess it, like right? That was that's how oh. I would feel. When? For what? Like, cause Kent had lost his wife, lost his other mm-hmm. son, 
And then if you killed him, like, he's just going to suffer more. And that's not really justice, is it? That was kind of his argument. He was like, if you kill him, like, you're just making it even worse for me. Like, that's not justice for me. That's hurting me even more. Like, he is my family. He is my child. If you execute him, like, you're putting me through all of this again. Does Ken have a book I can read about how to he be does. a better person? I need to read that book, I think. Cause Ken actually does have a book if anyone would like to read it. Because I feel like he is just the most forgiving person. And like, I know. Ken just, wow. Yeah. Undying parental love. Completely. I know, right. Yeah. It was just like I was reading that the whole time. I was just like, Ken, <laughs> you poor man. I feel so bad. Yeah, I mean, and even... Even though, like, Bart survived, once he knew he had killed him, he still kind of lost what he thought he had in a way, right? Like, he was like, that's my kid. There's no way he would do that. And then he realizes, oh, my God, he did do it. So even there's still, like, a grieving process he had to do to say. But then he was also doing the grieving process while his son was going, you know, on death row, basically. Right. He's like, I'm going through the grieving process of the child I thought I had, but also I'm but trying- But also his first response is like, I need to save him. Yeah, like, no, you can't execute him. Like, I realize he, he killed my wife, my partner, my other child, but no, you can't take him away from me. Like, oh my gosh, that man. He does have a book, though, and I honestly would be very intrigued to I read would it. It talks about, it, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, the whole scenario and, like, his thought process and the grieving and the anger and the healing and the forgiving. And I'm just like, my brain cannot comprehend that path that you just had to go down. It makes me want to cry a bit. I know. I'm just like, oh, my heart. My heart can't. Bart had his issues. Bart clearly had issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Kent loved him through it all, which. Right. Yeah. I know, I'm just like, I don't know how, I don't really have words to describe it. I'm just like, wow. Wow, that's all I have. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And sad. And I really wish it hadn't happened to begin with. I know. It is sad. So that was my topic. <laughs> I did read that one before. It's a it's it. a very interesting story. All right. So it is your turn, your topic. What do we got? Are you going into detail about one of the ones last week that you said could be like its yes. own story? I was looking at this this week. But it's Urban not this time. legend situation? It's not this one. Oh, okay. But I did look into her today. I oh. think I am going to cover it at some point. Okay. Poor lady. Well, no. <laughs> but today we're going to a different poor lady. Netta Fornario. Okay. So this happened in 1929. Mm-hmm. It was the end of the summer and Netta Fornario, who was 30 years old, she was born in Egypt in 1897, so I think that puts her at, like, 33 at the time. She had an English mother and an Italian father, and eventually she ended up moving to London with them. Mm-hmm. Nope, not right. Wait, what? This is very sketchy. Okay, so she's English- <laughs> she was born in Egypt. That, I know, in 1897. Okay. okay. And I think her father was a doctor. 1897? I thought it was in 1929. That's when this took place. Okay, okay, okay. When she okay. was 33 years old. I think oh, yes, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we're in London. She's living in London in her older adulthood and she Mm -hmm. decides to leave London. Okay. She is going to travel to Iona, which is a Scottish island. Okay. Thing to know about this island is that it is a big deal in the Christian religion 
Also, it has some older history beyond that, which is harder to find. I found okay. when I'm looking it up. But it is known as a very spiritual place. So she decides to go why? there. I'll tell you why. Because she's a member okay. of Alpha et Omega. Illuminati. Sorry. Well, do you know of the Golden Dawn? No. They were a huge society. Like sec- I think they were a secret society for a while, and then they came out to public. And they basically studied occult, paranormal activities, metaphysics, all that kind of stuff. And then eventually that branched off the into Golden the- Dawn? Yes. You can okay. look into them. There is a ton of stuff on them. You should cover them sometime. I should. That would be a huge topic. Like, yeah. I was looking at Wikipedia at the people who are apparently in that. Yeah. You have, like, like the one that blew my mind, Sir Conan Arthur Doyle was apparently wow. involved in that. Which is weird because he's, like, Sherlock Holmes. So I think he'd be, like, all yeah. rational science. Science, Solving right? mystery. But he apparently had mm. potential ties. And then H.P. Lovecraft, which, I mean. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so Alpha et Omega branched off of the Golden Dawn at one point, and they, you know, allowed women in, and she was part of that. So she went to this. A lot of people call it the Call of the Island, the Isle, where you get like a feeling where you just have to go there. Okay. So she decides she's she's going there. She's and- like this island. I feel it. I need to go there. That's what I'm thinking. There's only 120 people who live here, like, there today. But they get a ridiculous amount of tourists just because it's such a Christian-based type thing. Interesting. Okay. We have... I mean, I'm already pulled in. We got a secret society of occult. We got an island, a mysterious island that she just decides to go to. I think we need to... If we ever make merch someday, I'm going to make sure to say occult. For occult. <laughs> a cult. A cult. We have a the cult. occult. <laughs> it, ha- it clearly has an O. If you look at the word, it clearly has an O. O-cult. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm always just like. <laughs> so. So. Very huge oh. so. <laughs> she gets Throw to the island. Yes. And she's going to stay with Miss McRae, who was like a landlady on the island. Mm. And land lady on the island it sounds like she didn't have a like a ton of plans when she was going into this she just decided she was gonna go she's just gonna show up on this island and hope someone takes her in from what the accounts i've read yes and miss macrae does nice so netta during the day would spend her time exploring the island and by night, she would. Obviously, if you're on a fucking island, I'm exploring it too. It's not that big of an island, though. It's a oh. tiny island. Well, she's 120 like people. Pretty small. And she's exploring it. Okay. And by night, she practices her occult type things, <laughs> goes into trances occasionally. Oh. And she also told Mac Ray that once she had a trance that lasted a week. Oh. Excuse me. And what? if that happens, do not get help. She is fine. I'd been like, do you need water? Are you parched? Are you hungry? I'd be like clicking my fingers like, hello. Same. I'd be hello. like, aren't you going to just die pretty soon? I mean, come on, ladies, water. All right, cool. 
I'm just saying I would not be okay with someone in my house just in a trance. I'd like throw a sheet over them or something. That would <laughs> just go away oh, right now. I'm I'd sorry. be like, oh, don't worry about that. That it's a lamp. I just it's broken. I put a sheet over oh, it. It's fine. <laughs> oh, it moved. No, it did. It was wind. It's fine. You're fine. Just don't. You're just fine. Don't just don't look at it. It's fine. There are two different accounts. One said that she sent a, le- uh, a letter to her maid at the time, her housekeeper, and she was like, hey, I am doing some spiritual healing. I'm not going to be back for a bit. And then a different account said she just told her maid that she, or her housekeeper, that she's not coming back at all. She's like, I'm busy getting into trances and shit. So we get to November 17th, so a little bit past autumn, and McKay went in to see what Netta was doing and she was frantically packing. Uh-oh. She saw something bad. She said that she was being attacked telepathically by multiple people. Oh, dear. And when McKay looked at her, McRae looked at her, she said she looked totally fine except for all the jewelry because she wore a ton of jewelry at the time Had mm-hmm. that was sterling silver had tarnished. Oh. Okay. Which is kind of weird. That is weird. So she was packing frantically, and and McRae was like, "Hey, I see you do like it's Sunday though. The boats aren't sailing on Sunday. You're gonna have to be here till tomorrow." Yeah. So she was upset about this, and she was like, went off to her room. And a bit later, she came out, and she said she's gonna go for one of her walks. Huh. I don't like the sounds of that. There's two different accounts again. One says that McRae woke up in the morning and she still wasn't back. One says she waited until evening and she hadn't got back and she was worried about it because, you know, it's Scotland. It's cold. You're on Mm -hmm. an island. Either way, they sent out a search party for her. Yep. And she wasn't found for two days. Oh, no. And this is a very tiny island. Like, remember, like, the fact that they didn't find her for two days is kind of surprising because... I think it was like a three-mile island or something. Oh, don't quote okay. me on that, but it's a very small island. Okay. So she wasn't back for two days, and then eventually they did find her. She was naked. Uh-oh. She was wearing her cross necklace. It was tarnished. Uh-huh. And she was laying on top of a cross that had been cut into the ground. And she Ooh. had the knife in her hand. Oh. Also it said she was next to a fairy hill. A what? A fairy hill. Yeah, let me look up the quote of what a fairy hill how do you know it's a fairy hill uh apparently these are remnants of iron age celtic structures that have been covered by vegetation over time so her body was found next to that the other thing that you should know about her is she very much had an interest in she has a lot of weird wares for it it's basically fairies but there's a word for it Okay. Little winged creatures? I mean, yeah, but fairies and a lot of, like, occult type things are not so nice. It's not, not, like, the same, though, is it? No, (laughs) they're not very nice. What are they called? Um, Sprites. Nope. It's called green something something. Little green men. (laughs) Little green men. I don't (laughs) think it's little green men. Green ray. Green Ray oh. Elementals. Oh, sounds like some World of Warcraft shit. So she had an interest in Green Ray Elementals. 
which a lot of people who knew her thought was not a good idea. What are green ray elementals? Uh, basically, they are fairies that okay. are close to the devil. The, <laughs> the elemental earth. <laughs> it's The green ray is said to represent divine nature. Elemental is another word for fairy. Okay. So it is divine nature elemental fairy, which apparently is something you don't want to mess with. Okay. Because upset the balance of nature. Well, also, she was trying to, like, be buddy-buddy with them, and apparently that's not a good idea from some of her colleagues' opinion. Because she went to this island to find healing. Yeah. And that didn't seem to happen. And she had a very much of an interest in fairies. Okay. okay. Green ray elementals. Okay. So, when her body is found, mm-hmm. she was naked, still wearing the cross, mm-hmm. She was laying mm-hmm. on top of a cross that had been cut into the ground by a knife, mm-hmm. and she had a knife in her hand. Mm-hmm. Um, other weird things that they found is that she had some strange letters that we never found the contents of or where they ended up. But the police said, and I think it was listed in some newspapers, that they found strange letters. Okay. Who knows where that went? Um, they couldn't place the time of her death. Oh, so she was dead. She, oh, yeah, she was dead. Okay. Uh, and it was two days. They placed her death between the time she went missing and the time they found her. Very good detective work. <laughs> she died sometime between the time she left the house and the time we found her. Exactly. Okay, thank you. Good job. Uh, in some cases, they say she was covered in scratches. Oh, no. And that there was some on her feet. And then okay. there were some other weird accounts, and these are a little bit contested but they said they saw a man in a long black coat wandering around and no, some no. said they saw flashing blue lights so they determined her death to be exposure to the elements or okay. heart failure okay basically there's no signs of trauma or anything and there is nothing else they could go on so sure exposure to the elements, heart failure sure after she passed away she ended up being buried on the island Okay. There are some theories of what happened, and one of them is acidosis, which I guess can happen if you have diabetes, which means you have more acid build up, I guess, in your system. I'm not a doctor. Tried to look it up, mm-hmm. but I didn't find a lot of resources on it. But some people say it can uh, tarnish jewelry quicker, oh. and also it can give you some like nervousness, delusions, type like that before it leads to your death. So something that maybe she was. suffering from that but also just a very strange mysterious death Mm -hmm. on a very strange island that's what i got for you that's it what's the religious why is this island so special but like why did they all go there like what what are they trying to find just healing it's just a healing christian island so i will give you the excerpt on iona island okay so, we're just going to go to Wikipedia. So, Iona is a tiny island off the southwest coast of Mall in the inner Ebrades. It's only 1.5 miles wide by 3 miles long, with a population of 120 people. Mm-hmm. So, Iona is a holy isle and has been described as the birthplace of Christianity in Scotland. St. Columba and 12 companions came here from Ireland in A.D. 563. The monastery they founded was one of the most important and influential in the British Isles. 
Oh, okay. Nifty Nito, now you know. So that's why it was considered such a religious site. Also, there's some ties historically that I couldn't find much of because I looked it up because I was like, pre-Christianity, why is this a big deal? Because she also wanted to know about fairies and stuff. And most people just say, like, being on the island, it's like very mystical feeling and there's a lot of like mythology behind it hmm. people say there's like the call of the isles and you just feel like you have to go there i feel like i have to go to mcdonald's a lot same That's where I get called to. and then <laughs> i'm pretty weird. sure the book of kells was written there weird weird so just that i would go there just to visit but it's hmm. an interesting place it's a strange little island in the world that has a very strange case of a woman dying there. Yeah. I mean, the like the medical thing that you described sounds very like it could be an explanation. I don't know. Very strange. Very strange. It's just unless she was having, I mean, some kind of mental breakdown and she wandered out into the coldness. But right. Very strange. I mean, the Golden Dawn is interesting on its own. Yeah. I feel like I need to go into that a bit deeper, but I feel like that's going to be a lot. That's a that's a pipe hole I'm going to fall down for a while. Anyway, what do you have for questions this week? So I thought instead of doing like, would you rather questions or whatever, we could do who would be more Wait. likely to. Before question. we get into that, I okay. need to say my sources. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. So I had Historic Mysteries, Mental Floss, mm-hmm. Medium, mm-hmm. Uh, Cypher Mysteries, mm-hmm. IdealHomes.org, and Wikipedia. Ooh, ooh. Oh, so there we go. Okay, now we can go into our questions. Okay, so we're going to do who is most likely questions. We'll answer these. Who is most likely to live in a big city? I think you are. Probably me, yeah. I've but done at it the before. Same time, I mean, we always just talk about how we want to buy two houses on some land and have a little farm that could join together. I... We can ride our horses to Exactly. I don't think I would live in a big city. I like to live next to one so I can drive in and right. do stuff. But yeah, I, 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 I spent my time in a big city for a while. I think least... out of the likelihood, if one of us were to end up there, it'd be me. Yeah. Yeah. I think odds are more in your favor, but. I don't think either of us are going to be chomping at the bit to get to a big city. No. Who's most likely to be in a choir? (laughs) Me? Not me. I was in choir all of high school, along with a church choir. (laughs) Um. This one says, who's most likely to have the most piercings? I feel like we could be pretty... Well, I mean, I feel like we could be pretty even. We would be, especially if I passed you. Yeah. I think I mean, you probably I have more could. piercings than me in the past. I have yeah, more I mean, currently. Currently. If my job would allow them, I would have more. Yes. But I can't. And I have quite a few, but also I don't know if I... But like, I think you've had more because you've had all of the piercings I've had, except for an industrial. I was going to say, you... all the piercings you've had, I've had. Yeah, I've I don't had, think you've like... had an industrial, though. No, but I have cartilage piercings. Yeah, you've had like traguses and stuff. Similar. Yeah, I've had two tragus piercings. I've had like eight ear piercings. I had my nose. I had my lip. I had my tongue. And I had my belly button. So I had my tongue pierced for several years. I have and, my tongue pierced. And I always put the bioplast balls on it because they won't chip your teeth, mm-hmm. but they break. 
they after do. a while. They definitely do. I went through several, and I remember the worst was one time when I was in the line of Subway, and my top ball broke. So the ones on top of my tongue broke, and I swallowed it in the line of Subway. I got to the line. I had to say my order, and, like, it's hard like it'll just pop like it'll come out if you lose a ball like you're you're it's gonna fall out yeah so I was talking really weird and it didn't come out but I was just like I was so mortified because I was I don't know it happens like and I used to literally carry extra baggies of the biopass balls in my purse because I knew they were going to break so I needed to have backups at all times and posts I just had a little baggie of them I am um very wild with that because i think i had my last one like not that i left it in that long because i had to clean it but mm-hmm. it lasted like six months yeah but there's some that i've only put in like a day before and it just breaks instantly yeah. it's like well like thanks. if you like tighten it too much they break. they're finicky but i had mine in for several years and then your mouth heals really fast so i took mine out for an interview and it was only out for like three hours and i went to put it back in and it was literally i couldn't get it in i was like well it's a good run. It's fine. Whatever. I wasn't that upset about it. But. And I very much like the feeling of like a metal piercing more, but it's just bad yeah, for your teeth. So yeah, very bad. Chip. It'll chip down. But I really want to get my septum pierced and just do the open, and then when I'm at work, just shove it up my nose because people do that all the time. So that I is a thing. That. that is a very much a thing. And then when I'm done at work, I'll just be like boop and plop it back down, and they'll never know. Um, who's most likely to write a best-selling book? I feel like. That would be you, probably. You think so? I don't know. I just, I can't get anything to completion ever. Like, I think I could start things. I'm just very bad at finishing things. I feel like I'd have all these great ideas, but I'm very bad at actually making complete projects out of things. Also, I'm just, like, chaotic Gemini energy, and I have 47 different projects going, and I complete none of them ever. Ever. So that's what I do. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I don't know. I've just... I, that's what I used to want to do when I was younger, but like on my bucket list someday is publishing some sort of book. I would like to too, but it's, I mean, my brain's been so focused on work and real life stuff. I feel like I'm just like dried up creatively wise. Yeah, same. That's right. My brain is like a prune. It's fine. Um, Who's most likely to read every book in the school library? I think that's definitely you. Probably, yes. I binge read. I binge read hard. (laughs) Let's see. Who's most likely to spend their money on something stupid? Mm. Listen. I think that's me. Oh, really? I was going to say I thought it was me. Oh, I think it's me. I buy stupid shit all the time. We're in this together, then. Great. I think this... (laughs) Like, I buy random things that I just think are cute that are just going to, like, sit on a shelf or something. Like, I have no purpose. I'm just like, it's cute. I need it. I saw it. I need it. I bought it. I want it. I got it. Perfect. You like my hair? Thanks. I just bought it. (laughs) Um, That's it then. Anyways, that wraps up episode number 41. Thank you for listening. Please like, uh, like, subscribe, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, send us some emails at curiositiesandcocktails.gmail.com. All right, stay safe, guys. Thank you guys for listening. We're going to go, like, catch ghosts or something now. Goodbye. Goodbye.